The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod. We're coming to you live from the Warner Center in Woodland Hills, California. This is the home for Autism Live. It is also the home for the Center for Autism and Related Disorders. We're thrilled to be here with you this morning. We've got a very special show for you. You know, I love Wednesdays. And normally on Wednesday, we have the fabulous Dr. Doreen Grampiche here answering your questions. Well, this morning, Dr. Grampiche can't be with you, but I have a very special treat for you. We have Emmy-nominated Jay Moore here with us, and he is going to be talking about an event that he's got coming up that is to raise money for a very important organization that you've heard me talk about before, Fullerton Cares. So that's coming up in just a few minutes. We also will uh, have more with Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy a little bit later on in the hour, including a guest from the Philadelphia Eagles talking about events that they're doing to raise money for autism. So it's a big, big show. Now I want to remind you that we love it when you guys interact with us. So we're going to show you a bunch of different ways that you can interact with the show. And while that's playing, I want to remind you that our homepage is Autism hyphen live.com when you go there lots of things to do you can click on the triangle that's on the computer screen it will start either the live show or the most recently recorded live show playing to the side of all that is something we call the live feature if you put your cursor in the top box all you have to do is type and hit enter you don't have to have a username a login a password a credit card nothing and that information shows up here on my screen and that way we can have a conversation in real time of course, you can write in on Facebook, YouTube, all the other ways that we're showing to you as well. Big show. We don't want to take up too much time. Uh, so take a look at this, and we're going to be back with Jay Moore. Hey, I'm Candace Cameron Bray. Tom Bergeron. You're watching Autism Live. And you're watching Autism Live. And you're watching Autism Live. You're watching Autism Live. We are here in the studio with, and I didn't even get a chance to say that Robin Yates is here. You've seen her before on the show. She's a favorite of ours, a wonderful, wonderful person working in the field of autism and the community outreach director for Fullerton Cares. Mm -hmm. And Robin has brought this very special guest with us. I'm a huge fan, Jay Moore. Oh, yes. uh, it's you. Yes. And who else at the Warner Center on this Wednesday? This is <laughs> 
big stuff. It's me. This right, cool. it is big Here's stuff, and we're thrilled that you're here. And Thank I want to start by thanking you for being here. We, of course, all know you and love you from films like Jerry Maguire, one of my favorite, P Picture Perfect. You break my heart in that every single time. Nick, Nick the character one, Nick was a good guy. It's one of those films that there's like probably 10 films that I will watch over and over and over again in life. If it's on on a Sunday, I will put it on. Or if I'm just feeling low, it's one of the ones that I watch over and over. Thank you, you are um, incredible in that movie. It's not the only thing that you've done. We also loved you... Uh, the show that you created, that you were the host of, Last Comic Survivor. Standing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't do Survivor. Last Comic Standing, yes, that's correct. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't want to belabor this because I want to talk about this event that you have coming up, but when my son was being diagnosed with autism, there were only a few things in the first couple of years that really helped me to get through, and watching Last Comic Standing was one of the things because my husband and I would sit down, laugh hysterically, and you know, be strategic, and it really helped. It was one of the things that we looked forward to. So that means no a lot thing. to me, Shannon. That's it means a lot to me. Mm -hmm. Well, I, you've stated as such, and it's it's um, you know, when you do shows like that, when you make television, you want to make a lot of money, you want to you know, meet girls, you want to be famous, <laughs> and then you know, 15 years later, somebody kind and altruistic like you says something like that. It's you know, I'm 48. Everything's kind of getting refocused. Yeah. So um, thank you for that nudge. Well, that was beautiful. Amazing, amazing. And now to see that you are hosting this amazing event with Fullerton Cares. And if you don't know, I love Fullerton Cares. It's one of my favorite organizations for all the things that they do. And they do a yearly comedy event. And this year you've agreed to host the show. I, I have to ask you why. Why would somebody, if first you're. We, first, we need to wear. <laughs> well, it's Fox yes, Theater, October. Uh, uh, 19th in Fullerton. Yes. And you can take it to jmore.com. I'm sure you guys have a link as well. Yes. And um, Eventbrite and all that stuff. So mm -hmm. just want people to know where they can go get it. You need to come. Because I don't want you guys leaving your houses if you're watching this and forgetting to click for tickets and help uh, autism awareness. So, thank the, you. The why I, uh, Robin Yates has been so vigilant raising two beautiful boys like they're exceptional boys and we became friends just because she's been at almost every show i've ever done <laughs> wow. but not creepy like she was just a steady like <laughs> she's been at terrible shows of mine how many shows of mine have you been to um i've been to over 30 shows okay 32 shows so so you are just borderline stalking no no i was i was gonna say like, <laughs> the next thing that's funny my shannon sharp the next thing i was gonna say was so for everybody out there that's thinking about either stalking not stalking this is an example of it going very well right where yeah. you can get in where you fit in and we become right. friends and yeah. the warriors out there know what i'm talking about and then there's a you know crossing the line of being weird but uh yeah. i walk the tightrope we yeah. all walk the tightrope <laughs> you gotta walk the tightrope so the more we got to know one another and like sharing emails because you see somebody so often you realize you have to vet somebody and make sure they're safe right. to have like your information <laughs> right and just hearing her you know her job and her which is her passion so it's not like a job it's what she, her purpose it was very inspirational for me and then when she asked me if i would do uh this show for uh you know uh, an autism benefit october 19th at the fox theater in fullerton i don't know if you realize this like you were apologetic asking me to do it but we we're called upon people you know, so it's, uh, my immediate answer was, oh yeah, sure, great. If I'm in town, I'll do it, and I'm in town. And then you just make sure you're in town. So 
I'm pretty ignorant when it comes to autism. So this is a chance for me to meet people like you, Shannon, and further get to see Robin when I wouldn't norm normally see her. And Paul is a good, great guy. And just really immerse myself in what you guys go through and become my awareness, my fine-tuning of my awareness. Uh, so it's a little bit selfish on my part. Uh, an altruistic selfishness <laughs> where I can become more aware and more knowledgeable about something I'm not very knowledgeable about. Yeah, but see, that, that for me uh, makes me emotional because that's exactly what we need from the world. You know, Robin and I were called to this uh, in a way that we didn't get a choice. And that's fine. You know, mm -hmm. we've made our peace with that, haven't we, Robin? Oh, absolutely. And, and this is our passion. But, you know, we can be swimming upstream on that for the rest of our lives. But if we're not joined by people like you who say, look, I don't know what this is but I'm happy to come in and get in the trenches and what do you need, then, then we're not going to get far. So it's exactly that attitude that we wish we could spread everywhere. And to have that come from you, um, it's just, it's a lovely, lovely thing. So deeply, deeply appreciative. Thank you. Now can having I, said can that. Can I ask you a question? Yes, yeah. If, if, if the removal of autism was not an option, what would be the, two, the one thing you two of you could agree on would be the magic wand panacea, like you could just eliminate blank or make blank. Like what would be the one thing you guys would make happen with a magic wand if, if removing autism? What word are you thinking I of? Know. I know, I would, because we, we don't want to technically end autism because that's where we get our geniuses in that. To, well, it's, so not, it's, not that in the, out. it's not in the question, yeah. But the right. thing about autism would be the communication deficits. So my oldest child is um, what's considered nonverbal. So he can, you know, make vocal approximations to ask for things that I've never had a conversation. So I dream at night that he's talking to me. And so I wouldn't want to change anything about him except for to give him the ability to communicate what's in there because he's got a lot in there. It's just hard for him to get it out. And for me, awesome and, and it is a beautiful question. Go for, on. For me, I would uh, eliminate the, the perception of the rest of the world. That, the stigma? That, or? Yeah, the stigma. Um, because... This is what my son has taught me, is that whenever I'm asking him, you know, to look at something in a different way, occasionally he will look at me and say, why? Why do I need to see it your way? Why do I need to do it your way? He's and St. I, Francis. Right? And I say to him, you know, because sometimes it's for safety, sometimes, but sometimes it's just because that's the way that's comfortable for me. And he says to me, well, but isn't that you being inflexible? And his <laughs> next question to me is, so do you have autism? Um, because is he Felix Unger? <laughs> my, son's pretty, my son is pretty on top of it. But, you know, it reminds me that I've gotten used to thinking of this is the way it is supposed to be. And maybe that's wrong. Maybe, maybe the world... It, you know, is, is a much different place and that we need to be more accepting and that starts with me. But if I could wave a magic wand, I would wipe away all preconceived notions about what we, how we need to see the world, how we need to think, how we need to be. Since you asked. That's fascinating. Mm -hmm. You know, is there a way for me to communicate to a parent of an uh, autistic child where if it's in my eyes 
I, I'm very hesitant when I say that's obvious that the child is autistic. Uh -huh. I'm, I'm sure it's probably never really obvious, but I always I have an aunt who's special, and when you see somebody with say Down syndrome, you just look at the parent and just kind of you can nod like yeah. mm -hmm. like I know like yeah. you know I know. Yeah. Um, is there a way to communicate to somebody to let them sort of feel less like, oh, I gotta contain this, say, tantrum or something, to go like, no, I, it's, it's fine, like, you know, like I'm down. Is there, is there any kind of communication You know, and that's adults? interesting. I'd like to put that out to our viewers about how would you like one. to be uh, well, communicated with. Um, when, for instance, like when you're in a grocery store and things are starting to go south and a child's starting to tantrum, how, you know, because a lot of people would prefer to be left alone, but I'd love to hear from our viewers, how would you like for somebody to communicate? And Robin, what would you say? Well, um, what I would say is you already naturally know exactly what you should do in this uh, situation. Remember uh, the story when you were on the airplane? And there was a woman with a toddler and... I held her baby. You held like her baby. Hours. I'm the baby with Yes. Um, and what are you, a saint? I mean, I've been trying to get the world to realize this for a long time, right. Shannon. I, um, no, I'm now going to be that I'm, the person I'm telling I'm certainly her. not a, a saint. So you took somebody's baby on an airplane? No, she was overwhelmed. And I just like babies, and they kind of stop crying when I hold them. So I don't think that's applicable really here to hold somebody's like 12-year-old. Right, right, right. Come here, big guy. But you know what? It, it is, though, for example, a 12-year-old having a tantrum in the middle of Ralph's. If you have a man who could stand there and kind of block the aisle, right, response block that and just kind of block the audience, right, the other people yeah. in the store from those judgments, just even I've had people when uh, my son was having challenges in, in public just kind of walk by and just kind of squeeze my arm and tell me, hang in there. Um, because although it's not as overt as a disability as something like cerebral palsy, if someone was in a wheelchair or someone with Down syndrome, there are some obvious um, kind of behavior indicators when a kiddo has autism. And so us autism moms, for example, we kind of have a nod. We know how to spot each other. And I think just looking at someone to say, I get that your kid's going through something. I get that you're going through something. I'm not judging you, which you can do with a look. You definitely can. Um, and I think that that just extending that kindness of I understand what you're going through or I may not understand exactly what's going on for you, yeah. but I accept you. I think that that's, that's good. And also, too, to be the kind of person that if someone who's an onlooker maybe starts passing judgment, rolling eyes, getting upset because Why? the line's taking too long, maybe stepping up, up and... I right. went like, hey, buddy. I, I, I immediately had an imaginary scenario in my head like, hey, let's, let's keep it moving, pal. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm a little protective. But yeah. maybe, it, yeah. maybe it's, uh, can, I, can I get you anything? Exactly. Yeah, just saying that simple Do you need thing. help? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you, you need know. anything, yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you need, can I give you anything? Can I help you? you yeah. Know, yeah, if you get that down to like a, not the way I need it. But it's interesting your son said that. Why does it have to be the way you need it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, I, I blurted out like St. Francis, help me understand rather than be understood. Yeah. So oh, okay. if you're a parent of autistic children, you are thrust into not knowing a language. You are immersed in a culture you don't know. Yeah. So mm -hmm. you immediately have to become fluent that like you don't you can't take like conjugate verbs for a year like you just have to yeah. fake it till you make it I guess that's and wow. and a lot like with I mean you have kids yes I do and and you know that like what happens on Wednesday a week later your child has grown and changed 
And so you can't just keep doing the same thing over and over again. And kids with autism, it's the same thing. Even though the playing field might be different, they change. So once you learn one thing with a child with autism, you have to keep morphing along with them uh, as they grow. So it's the, I, you know, I always tell people on the show that I'm not an expert. I'm not an expert in autism. I've been hosting shows about autism now for over 10 years. I will never be an expert in autism. I don't even claim to be an expert in my child because just when I think I'm an expert in my child, he grows and changes and oopsie, I'm no longer an expert right. in my kid, you know? It just, I think it goes with the territory being a parent yeah. um, and any, you know, but with autism, it's just, there's different colored baggage that comes. And sizes and zippers and buttons mm -hmm. and contents. Exactly. You said something really interesting. If you wanted to ask me questions, you should just I, tell me. I know. Time. I well, see. Th this is why you're a true professional. You host your own podcast, and it's okay if you you can ask all the questions. I'm sure people. But I do want to ask you questions eventually. But ask yours. Uh, one more. It's more stories to free up. Mm -hmm. Mohr yeah. stories. Yeah. You just, I'm not going to charge you for it, but you should really subscribe, even if you don't listen to it. Um, <laughs> what you said about things needing to change because a kid Wednesday to the next Wednesday. As a father, my childhood, the rules changed all the time. So as a dad, I make sure my kids are never confused. So I don't change. Like the rules are the rules. Be nice, listen. Well, they don't, boys aren't that bright. They, they don't know there's 80 rules under be nice right. and 180 under listen. Right. Like, can I tell you? What right. So my vigilance is the rules never changing and everything when they get home is exactly the same. Like if you came home and somebody moved your furniture around, right. you'd be a little freaked out. So with autism, what you just said was interesting. Like there's, it, it's almost you almost described. It's just my perception. Yeah. Of an ev an always evolving, you know, like super helix that just keeps going and turning like well, a barrel roll. If they're growing, I mean, if you think about it, when you have a ten year old, um, I I can only speak from my experience, but at ten years old, my son couldn't cross the street by himself. That we, that just wasn't where we were but he's 15 now and he crosses the street by himself all the time now. We still maybe have a conversation before he crosses the street, but by the time he's 18, we will not have that conversation. That's my goal, that there will be no, he just will cross the street on his own and there won't be any reminder of make sure you look both ways. You see what I'm saying? So I those do. things change constantly and I would think yeah. that would change a little bit with your kids too. Oh yeah, I, I think in summation, it's the markers are infinite. Yes with what you guys deal with compared to what I deal with. Like yeah. I got two like lunkheads, you know. <laughs> I'm sure your kids are amazing. They are amazing, but yeah. I don't know how they don't drown when it's raining. But they, uh. do they have your sense of humor? Uh, they do. My seven year old is is really like com comedian funny where it's, I'm I gotta sure. make sure he doesn't like do it in the classroom. We were at the <laughs> Santa Monica, I don't know if I told you this, we were at the Santa Monica Pier and I go, look buddy, that's, uh, there's a clown and he goes, that's just a guy dressed like a clown. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know whether to go like, are you for real? Or go, yeah, that's right. <laughs> like he put that. me on skates right away. I'm like, I didn't know how to react. That's like awesome. Like, are real clowns? Like, born in clown hospitals? <laughs> a clown OBGYN with seltzer sprays in his face? And 44 baby clowns getting a little baby pram car? <laughs> so yeah, they're, they're funny guys. They, they get my jokes, which I think is... The biggest thing. The That's hardest awesome. my seven-year-old ever laughed is like when he was four. I make our Yorkie talk all the time, like "Hey, boy!" <laughs> so when he doesn't listen to me, I do the dog voice, and he answers. And so we're just teasing as the dog in his bed, and then finally I just go, "Hey, boy!" And he goes, "What, Mabel?" 
And the dog, I made the dog just go, I don't talk. <laughs> and he, there was like a pause, and it was just like an eruption of awareness laughter of like, my dad's insane. <laughs> the dog didn't say anything ever, and I've been talking to a dog. How do you, are your kids at the point, have you explained to them what funny is? Have they asked you? Like, how do you explain to them when something is funny or not, or do they just get it? I don't know if I can explain to anybody what funny is, honestly. Really? Yeah. I've done a lot of inventory the last few <laughs> years, personally. So I've examined this through a jeweler's loop. Uh-huh. I know they're funny, and I can tell they're in, I can tell how intelligent a kid is. You uh -huh. can, too, by what they laugh at. Like, if yeah. a kid laughs at sarcasm, that's a higher frequency yeah. than just a kid. Like, when you go, no, I, I really, I really can't wait to uh, eat that, uh, that egg salad that grandma made. And you're like, <laughs> <laughs> like that's, that's your guy, then, or your gal, you know? <laughs> but at this point, as much comedy as you've done and as many comedians as you've seen, you don't think that you could define what funny is? Well, by definition, I've never been asked this before. This I'm is so really, excited this that I'm the stuff. first person to ask you this. Funny is what makes you laugh or what makes you feel laughter, uh, happy. It's a weird business. I'm in the joy business. Which is you, a great thing. You buy a ticket to experience joy. There's no other emotion room. You know, you can go see the Smiths or see Morrissey and go like, I want to be bummed out for 50 <laughs> bucks. <laughs> it costs way more than that. Oh, does it? Oh, yeah. oh you just, yeah. She, you go to a lot of good shows. I'm Thank envious. <laughs> I could, but kids are like a DUI from the universe. <laughs> like, I'll be with you guys. Oh, I can't. The court says I gotta watch this one. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> so funny is what makes you laugh, obviously, is the very broad answer. And then I would say, I have no idea. When you I'm going to write, write you a note back to okay. read live on the air. Later I'll tell you how I defined it for my son because my son asked me, how do you know what's funny and what isn't? And if for a kid with autism, you have to come up with a definition. Mm. I'm still working on I it. I would do better, I think, with your son than with you. Okay. Because his specificity oh, needed, yeah, you know, I think it'd be like probably answering a question with a few other questions Yeah. and let him sort of go, this isn't autistic specific whatsoever. I'm not right. going there let him sort of arrive at that through the questions I ask back. Oh, you're smarter than I am. Like, no, I'm not even going to entertain that as a reality. <laughs> like, what do you think funny is? You know, as simple yeah. as that, which is very broad, but because I would learn from his answer. From any kid's answer, yeah. you would learn a lot. But let me ask you this. When you're writing comedy, when you're getting ready to do, like, for instance, when you do this show, will you be using things that you've done before? Will you be writing new things because this is a different audience, this Fullerton comedy show. You want to answer this for me? Because you oh know me so. Oh gosh, I mean, can I make the set list of what you're gonna do? Yeah, I show. I have She's like. She's gonna pick and choose because she have knows eight friends your inventory. That will text me their ideal set list when they know I'm about an hour out from a show. Okay. I'll be in Boston. I'll be in Long Island. I'll, you know, uh, Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, and I'll zzz, and look at my phone. I'm like. And always, specifically with Robin, there's three things that I've completely forgotten about. Oh, how funny. Because I don't catalog my material, really, so I've probably forgotten more material than most people, right? <laughs> Which is not something I'm bragging about. It's realizing I have the skills of a toddler when it comes to filing and cataloging. So, and the things she likes are the things I love to do the most. Like, they have a lot of heart. Like, you like, um, you know, like my son's name, which I'm yeah. not going to give away here, but... Um, and there's other th there's a couple things that always make the list when you text me a set list. It's really Kevin Ortiz, the guy that 
give me a set list, Ryan Reedman. There's, there's a few guys and gals that that's how highly I think about them and how much I think about you that when I see your set list, I'm like, ooh, good. That's awesome. Because I would have forgotten the bits forever. Really exciting for me, just as a as a hardcore fan, how I became such a huge super fan speaks to how you were talking about last comic standing. Yeah. So I had my second child getting diagnosed with autism when I discovered his podcast. I discovered more stories, and that was my kind of way to get through just, you know, a bad therapy session where he cried the whole time or just or just something you know especially with when it was my second child getting diagnosed and he had a more regressive form of autism yeah. so that was really it was you know it was really scary and startling and um, that that was my out and the reason I ended up going to see you so many times is because you would always talk on more stories about why aren't people fans of going to see live comedy the way they are of going to see music you know people follow the Grateful Dead like for example I've seen Kiss 40 times right um, and so you know why aren't people doing that and I think the common first answer is well you know the specials on TV or it's gonna be on TV but as someone who's seen multiple shows even in the same night it's always different yeah. and that's really really interesting it should be I think yeah well I think there's a lot of comics where it's not because they're like locked into like a set well I just don't I, but don't I would think go insane if I thank you for that compliment mm -hmm. too but I if you like if you see me do five shows you'll see three maybe two and a half three hours of material like it's not it's not like that one hour one hour because I would go insane but so how do you write all this does it just come to you do you it's a very good question uh, I realized about four years ago and this is probably the biggest touchstone for me personally as uh, an entertainer that everything I'm going to say on stage has already happened to me or is going to happen to me because to sit down and write a bit is not a truthful construct it's like, hmm, lined paper. Like, who cares? You just made something up to share with me, and I'm not interested in what you make up to share with me. I want to know about you. I want to know about riding your bike through a mental hospital that was 85% abandoned in your hometown, but nobody told you guys 15% was eh, pretty dangerous, and 10-year-olds are doing donuts, and people <laughs> jump out and scare you. Like, that actually happened, by the way. Wow. Uh, I want to hear about you, you know, when you were a little kid, I want to hear about how embarrassing it was, and my when you, when whatever happened, and my stand-up has evolved, and I'm because you're here, I feel safe enough to just talk freely. Otherwise, it's, you get very aware of sounding very precious about your stories. I realized when I can share with an audience something humiliating that happened to me, nobody else is really sharing those stories. So that separates me into my own like genre of stand-up. Like I'm a storyteller, sure. I do a lot of impressions, yes. But the things I share on stage, I don't think anybody would ever admit to the things that are in my like set list. Like Richard Pryor, like I smoked crack and I caught on fire. My dog came out because I had a heart attack on my lawn and asked me if I was okay. Like that doesn't sound like very funny, right. but it's the like probably the best hour ever on ever been filmed that one that Richard uh, Pryor that Richard Hour yeah. Pryor <laughs> yeah I knew what you meant yeah. you know that Richard Hour Pryor <laughs> so um, I will not create material for the evening no um, and because of the, the what the evening's about autism awareness I don't I don't I, I could be proven wrong within myself I don't think there's a lot of or in that mind um, so the risk uh, versus reward is 
It's not something I'm particularly fond of. Like, no, 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 got what's it. a great autism joke? <laughs> All right, <laughs> hey, that hits me part. Like, oops. Yeah. So I'll just do my thing, and, but I don't know what my thing is until I walk out there. In fact, I will write down. She knows this because once I had Robin hand me a piece of paper that said "rock concert." That's my current Because favorite. I had forgotten to do this bit every night for well over one year, 100 shows a year. So I said, this is what's gonna happen. And I would go on stage with rock concert only written on an index card. I would put it on the stool where my water was and it'd be the only thing I did not do. Oh, how funny. It's like I, was in a, I had an aversion. It's like looking at the script during an audition, like, no, I gotta memorize it. So I had Robin actually hand me <laughs> she just the Melrose Improv. And I go, Right around 15 minutes in, if I haven't done it already, like 15 minutes in, I see her going like this. I go, I don't go to rock concerts anymore. I wanted to beat you to the handoff. <laughs> a little Fun. index card on the yeah. stage. Like, and you have full range to go, ahem. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's a very long Lombard Street of an answer to, uh, I'll love just it. do what I do. I love it. Ask I me again, watch this. This is for the, uh, the, the box set, ready? Okay, so uh, for the night of the comedy show, are you gonna do things that you've done before, or are you gonna create new comedy? Both. Next. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> both. I, I'm always creating, but it's just a matter of instead of looking in my rear, instead of looking out a windshield to like, what can I write about? It's just looking in my own rearview mirror, like what actually happened that I can share with people. Love it. Uh, and that's the only time, by the way, people, it's your life coach talking, you should ever use a rearview mirror. Don't use it in your personal affairs. It never does you any good. I, well, because this happened, happened past tense. Goodbye. I didn't think I could be a bigger fan of yours, but I, as uh, each minute ticks by, I'm becoming a, a, that much bigger of a fan. He's well, amazing. I told you. And I, you did tell me, and I well, was stay in so touch, excited. Though, I mean, you know, there's no uh, reason not to stay in touch. Well, I'm I'm actually uh, doing a couple of minutes during the during the comedy show. I do a show called the Autism Monologues. And they've asked me to come and perform a couple of minutes during the show that you're doing. So I'm actually going to be on the bill with you. Where would I go see, you know, on my computer, the, what is it called, uh, the mama? It's, it's called the Autism Monologues. It's a live stage show, and you can't go see it online because I don't have it online. It's, uh, uh, no, so. I'm not tell you to do your business, but, you know, maybe... <laughs> Couple clip, couple clips, couple uh, clips here and there. Well, I, I, I've got a couple of shows coming up, so I'll make sure that you know when I'm there on the 19th. Uh, so we'll oh, get man. you tickets to come see yeah, the, sure. the live show. And I give you my word, I'll make a concerted effort. And if I'm in town, then yeah. I'd love to have you come. But I'm not going to tell you like I'll be there and go. I'm no. in Haiti the 19th. <laughs> Actually, I'm uh, in Haiti. Well, well that brings up my that next joke. question. You're still <laughs> very busy doing a lot of comedy shows. You said a hundred a year. Yeah, divorce will do that, you know. <laughs> Divorce will motivate you to get on the airplane, uh, go get checks that you actually you, get to keep. <laughs> and you've got the the more stories. Wait, can I just? None yeah. of us have ever sat like this in our lives. <laughs> Please, uh, more porridge. Shannon, Robin, <laughs> JJ. Can Three I cool hip people sitting like, yes, daddy. <laughs> can I tell you the truth though? I moved this weekend and I had to stain something and my I look like I have a mechanic's hand uh, and so I've been trying to hide my hand because I've got all this stain. I get hair dye on my hand quite frequently. Uh, I, I, I well, I was moving hair dye all weekend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tie it together. <laughs> He's a craftsman, yes. 
No, I'm I'm lucky that I can sit up right now because we uh, that's uh, that I just have been reminded I haven't moved in seven years and it's hell on earth. It's horrible. It, it is. is the most horrible thing. And about like last Thursday, we got to the point where I was like, let's just burn everything to the ground and live in hotels the rest of our lives. Because <laughs> I love I can't, you. I cannot <laughs> own another thing. I love Shannon. Life, right? Let's just burn the Citadel to the ground. <laughs> just, let's do the whole village. I, and you know, and then I had the whole movers prayer going all weekend long, where I was like, please God, if you make this all go away, I promise I'll never buy anything at Walmart God's ever like, again. You, God's answer, by the way. You see these guys? What am I gonna do? Look at these guys. Right. No, seriously. It was like how, and I am so uh, like sore that I can't lift my arm much more than this. It's just, it, it was horrible. It was the, one of the worst things I've ever. Do you been like through. where you moved to? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think we're well, gonna like, like it much more. There's a little hesitation. <laughs> but, where I panicked. But, uh, like it's all right. <laughs> no, my fear is you know we're renting, and so I, I I just feel like another move is coming soon. It's not like we're gonna live there forever. It's not the place. Hopefully, I'm going to live long enough that we'll have to move someplace else. You're going to live a very long time. Shirley. But I need to you're have... Going, you're going to live a very long time. Are you psychic? Shirley. Do you know this for I'm sure? I'm not psychic. There's, no such, there's no such thing as a psychic, okay. but I'm intuitive, and you're incredibly healthy. Well, I'd love to live long enough to be a, a way to. grandma. Don't you want to be a grandma? Oh, yeah. I already like kind of have plans. Okay. I need to have... Well, no, because you know I didn't get to have I'm not a girl you. child. I'm not so teasing you. I think I, that's wonderful. Yeah, I already have right? a plan. Oh, yeah. I do. All the clothes I'm going to buy, so much Hello Kitty, everything. I'm going to go with wait. you. Oh, it's on. <laughs> do you think about being a, a granddad? I still want to be a dad. I'm yeah. just lousy at making them. You're still making children. You're still popular. Not well, no. I'm terrible at it. How many kids do you have total? I have two boys, two different moms. Um, and I'm Seven, just and what's the other one? Fifteen. Not, I don't recommend that age difference for anybody. I, I, I have a fifteen-year-old, and that's a whole other, you know, fun thing. And how old is your oldest child? Thirteen. So still, same still thing. in that the, mm-hmm. the hormone window of hell. Thirteen and ten. Thirteen and nine. Mm-hmm. All right. What if she goes, no, 18 months? What if I was way off? <laughs> Try that real cool. 13 and 10, right? No, 18 months. <laughs> you were very close. So do you think you're done having kids? Or do you I think there's the potential? You'd like I to have want, more? Yeah, I love kids. Well, that's the I, great that's thing like, about being a man. As, why, why is that? Because I, I, I would love to have more kids and maybe adopt, but I can't spit any more out. I can't That's make any me. is what I'm saying as well. Oh, like, you can't make No, it. I have like six swimmers and they're bumping into each other. Like, oh, but that can be fixed. Like they, the theme from Benny Hill plays. They, they, can, they can help swimmers, but old eggs, no, they can't do they anything. Cannot, no, they, they can help eggs. They can't help swimmers. Oh. There's no... There's no. I think it's the opposite, Jay. Well, then I would like a few hundred thousand dollars back (laughs) for for what we needed to do to get a baby baby made in space. Nobody talks about that either. Like I talk about that on stage, I actually had to abandon all ICSI in vitro jokes because people were like, "No, no thanks." Really? I gave it a hell of a run too. Who were your big influences? It's interesting. That comes into light later in life. When you're a kid or a young, you know, 20 or 30 year old, it's like yourself. Like, I'm going to be so great because you have to be so f- narrow minded and so focused, like a laser, to even get to ring the bell and to hit the pinata and then to get another shot at the pinata and hit it again and hit it again. And then when you've hit it a while and you're full on candy, you can sit in the gr- driveway and go, you know, Dennis Miller's Off White album was the most important hour of my life. Uh, George Carlin, that's like that's the altar I, I kneel at. 
his concision, his economy of words. Nothing's wasted. It's so fascinating. His time travel. Tele my friend Troy Conrad said, yeah, telescope. He said it like we all knew this. He goes, yeah, telescope, microscope. Because George Carlin will say, save the whales, save that snail. Like the whole special just yeah. goes, it's really bizarre. Um, I talk about comedy like Stephen Hawking talks about space, so forgive me, but I know you're into it. I am. And no, I'm not going to do the bit here, don't worry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have a little Stephen Hawking side bit. Okay. Um, and um, Dennis Miller, the Off-White album, I think it's 1988, was, now I realize, it was the, it was the Alpha, the Omega, it was the Winchester Mystery House Wow. of joy, like I, realizing... I've got to listen to it now. It, oh. The HBO special is called Mr. Miller Goes to Washington, and the album is, by the way, what a title. The, like the Beatles had the white album, it's the off-white album. Love it. Love it. He goes, uh, if I seem out of it tonight, it's because just sunk in that Zamed has replaced Terrio on Dance Fever. Zamed, there's a hoofer, huh? <laughs> Haven't seen choreography that stiff since the Lee Harvey Oswald prison transfer. <laughs> and you're just sitting there going, what? <laughs> like, it makes sense, but it doesn't, it shouldn't. He goes, don't you love that Very Jack smart. Ruby got into the garage that day? Hey, boss, the guy that owns the local strip club this year, he has a handgun. Should we let him in? Who are they turning away? <laughs> it's like little things like that where you just it's go. It's a great impersonation of Dennis Miller, too. I was reeling it in because I, now when I'm in a small studio like this, an intimate studio, I realize, oh, all my impressions are really loud. Like when I'm on Periscope, people are like, do I? Al Pacino, I'm like, I'm in my can. I'm walking around with my dogs. But you should be able to do it outside. <laughs> it's just too loud. But I can try, Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? What is this Fox Theater, Fullerton? How come there's so many theaters with Fox in the title? Hmm? <laughs> there's two Al Pacino voices. Do you know this? I don't think I know. When he was younger, he sounded like Tyne Daly. He was like, all right, we're Vietnam veterans, so we don't mind this. <laughs> or like in The Godfather, which, you know, like, <laughs> you broke my heart, Fredo. <laughs> And then right around the movie Heat, somebody dropped a piano on his back. He's like, oh, I'm so tired, Shannon. I've been lifting pianos because you wanted a new apartment we had to move. <laughs> Sorry about your dirty hands. I broke my back. I can't even do a full Pacino man. It's one of them hard to I do sitting down. I think you did. Everybody in the control room is in tears. Uh, <laughs> Are you psychic? How do you know that? I got, I got an earpiece. I got a whole thing going on. I can hear everything they got going on in there. Uh, you're amazing. You're amazing. Uh, you know. No, and I'm very excited about this event. Don't negotiate away from uh, the uh, Don't tell me no when I tell you you're amazing. Okay. Uh, no, 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 we'll do that right. therapy session that's later. That's very important. <laughs> if, I if anybody compliments you, Thank you. Just let it in. Thank you. Because women are learning how to settle. That's oof. that's the greatest gift you ever gave me is teaching me that. Just come and tell you you're beautiful and say thank you. That's it. That's it. And that's yeah. like when I go to hug a woman and she goes on her tippy toes, I go, no, 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 no. I'll come get you. <laughs> like even that is a set. Like you're set. Like I'll go help him hug me. Like no. <laughs> so like, get hugged. I tell my sons if you hug somebody, don't do anything else. I think that's my single greatest quote. Oh. I just wanted to share it. Doesn't mean anything. Your glasses are getting all fogged up because it's so hot in here. <laughs> it is. Yeah, we are like <laughs> I love, I love you enough to tell you today. on live TV. Um, and I think we've gone past the time that I told you that we would take with you. But this has been truly wonderful. I, whenever I, you know, I, I get an opportunity in in time and space to meet people that I've loved their work. You know, sometimes people disappoint, right? 
Mm-hmm. Um, and and some people, you just meet them and go, oh, you know, they're just a real person. As my grandmother used to say, they squat behind two shoes. You know, they're just real people. <laughs> right? And, behind uh, two shoes, though. It's odd that they took them off and took a step backwards right, to do the business. Right. I always wondered about that, too, but whatever. Um, <laughs> but I just got to say, you did not disappoint in any way. In fact, you've gone, my estimation of you has gone way up. And I thought it was high before. You know, you watch somebody on, on screen, you watch somebody on TV, and you feel like you know them and you don't, right? I mean, that's the truth yeah. of everything, mm-hmm. right? But now uh, to see a little bit of who you are, Excuse me, I get emotional. But to see a little bit of who you are, are and to see that you are this incredible light um, is a really wonderful thing. And the fact that you're sharing that light for our kiddos, I just want to say thank you on behalf of all the parents and all the kiddos, because we need more of you in the world. Why do the most beautiful people are the most appreciative of something you feel embarrassed being complimented for. Like, mm-hmm. I'm doing a benefit to help raise awareness for autism, which you guys are living through. Every There's no breaks. 24-7. When it rains, it pours. And then after when it rains, it pours. There's monsoons. There's revelations. And then there's being the parent of autistic children, plural, where it's just like, yeah. oh, man. Like Dorothy Parker, what fresh hell is this? Mm-hmm. And it never ends, it never ends. So like, I'm doing an hour and a half on a night and you guys are complimenting me like I'm some like, well, no. You know that showing up is everything. Well, if you listen to the More Stories podcast, that's not a plug because literally the last episode I recorded was one of my life coaching things of, uh, I dispel the five lies that we all accept. And one of them is, you know, um, some people just get lucky. No. You know, or everything will work itself out. Like, no, it won't. Yeah. How's that not your necklace doing? Just leave it on the sink. It'll work itself out. Yeah. But I just did showing up. Yeah. Um, I can't really go into detail without. Well, we should all go and listen. It's free. Absolutely. Like, I'm not and selling where did, anything. And where did we go? Uh, jmore.com or there's a More Stories app. And I'm only sharing this because it will help you. It will help you. And I make no money from it. And uh, more stories, 3737 at Gmail. If you think maybe you could use, I don't like the words life coach because you lived a lot of life and you're alive. So you did really well before you met me. But you do I'm life more like, coaching? I changed the eyeglass prescriptions so you can actually see. And you do that one-on-one, Jay? Yeah. I wouldn't do it with a group. Well, I read a lot of energies and stuff. And, you know, that's... A separate conversation, perhaps, but I just I um, he's been instrumental in helping me make the changes that I needed to make to be the person I am now. And um, I've made a lot of changes. I'm 150 pounds lighter, I'm you know on my own, I'm doing great in my career. Um, my boys are thriving, so and I owe a lot of that to Jay teaching me how to change the way I thought about things. Can I put um, an addendum? Can I? I didn't change anything about you, I because I coached high school wrestling at Beverly Hills High this year, and it's my passion. I just need people to see they're so much greater than they have been conditioned, and their history has taught them that they are. So, like, how tall are you? Uh, five Around. eight and a half. Okay, so that's the container of right. Shannon's value. By the time you have cognitive thought, the way people in your own living room talk and act and are like disappointed with their faces, you accept that you're like, whoa, five foot seven in value. Mm-hmm. And then you 
there's trauma, which can, if I ever say trauma, when I'm working with somebody, it's like, this is a cop, like we're moving on, I don't get into it. It could be somebody killing themselves in the neighborhood, in the neighborhood or a car accident, it could be molestation, it could be anything. There's trauma, and then you're like, oof, five, six. Then you meet a boyfriend who comes in at, he breaks your heart, and he teases you in the hallways and embarrasses you in high school, and that's five, five. Then you meet another guy who comes in at five, four, and you're like, hey, that's almost full. So without even knowing it, you've accepted four inches less of that container without even knowing it you're like five four is almost all full for me now we started at five eight do you know what i mean yeah mm -hmm. I and do. then as we get older we just keep conceding and conceding your boss is a jerk and you're like whatever like no not whatever nobody can talk to you that way yeah. you know, well then i'll get fired like maybe you should <laughs> maybe get your money's worth yeah on your way out because <laughs> the way you feel about yourself is how the whole un universe in here goes and how you affect every satellite and every thing, because you have gravity, you have incredible gravity. Mm -hmm. People, you affect people's, the way they act to their kids when they go home by the way you treat them here. But I know you're very kind, so I can say that openly, because if you were like a crazy lady, it'd be like, oops, poor Veronica, <laughs> don't tell her that. <laughs> like, there's days when Veronica goes home and her family's like, you're the best. And that's because the way you spoke to her and rewarded her and saw her value, and without even realizing it, but you're very intuitive too. So my thing is more just like, no, 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 no. Let's, 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 let's change this prescription of these glasses and let's see actually here first. Because it's actually six foot eight when you come into a room. We, we expected you to come and be funny. We didn't expect you to be Buddha. See, that's, well, that's, that's what I'm talking about. That's, that's, I just, I got your podcast because I just, you know. Just don't look behind the curtain because, you know, man is God in ruin is one expression <laughs> I saying I heard once. So I'm always under construction, but... Well, we all are. Yeah. That's when you do the most inventory and you see people. It's a misogynistic world. It's crazy. Well, it is crazy. It, I'm not going to get any... I'm not well, going to... I was going to say, especially uh -uh, right don't now. Say, uh, don't say... Uh, don't even give it... Right. Don't even give it that verification. Yeah. It well. just... Period. Like... If you're a minority or you're a Jewish minority or whatever and you think you have it hard, be a woman for a day. It's like the twilight zone. And I'm sick of it. Like, I hate it. We're right there with you. And I'm me, single. Me too, right? I'll be creepy at the end. And I'm single. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think it's a good segue for Go See All About Nina, which is Ooh. the movie that you were just... You know, it's funny. It I do so much, great. I forgot I was in a movie. Oh, whatever. my gosh. Well, it's, 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 a, it's it? a... Of course I've seen it. the best, Rad. No, I'm, I'm, I'm like the... There's a movie you know. called All About Nina. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead plays a female, you know, she's a stand-up comic. Yeah. And I have a, I'm in three scenes. I have a very small part, but when I read the script, I thought it was written by a comedian because mm -hmm. the, the stand-up comedy parts were so funny and I was like uncomfortable reading them. I'm like, this is amazing. Who wrote it? It's a woman, Eva, uh, Viva, um, Eva Viva. It's her actual name. She's incredible. Eva mm -hmm. Viva. And she's from Spain, speaks with an accent. She had a short that went to Sundance, and she just wrote this movie about a female comedian to the point when, when Mary Elizabeth Winstead was practicing a stand-up comedy, she said, will you come up to my office and she could do her comedy in front of you. Now, as a comic, I know this is a death sentence for a comedian. Right. She was literally holding a water bottle in a room this size going, all right, like doing stand-up, which is never good. Yeah. And I was like, so uncomfortable because of how great she was and the things she was saying were like super salacious and provocative and she's like 
very sexual and like she's bending over like at weird angles and I'm just like <laughs> you know you passed it's fine it was amazing and when I watched the screening I cried there's three times in my life I cried because of talent uh, four Rufus Wainwright in Long Beach he started leaving for Paris I started crying and he stopped the song and goes that's the wrong key sorry I'm like I'm crying at the wrong version <laughs> wow. maybe that's why it was wrong it's not supposed to make you cry <laughs> uh, I was at Doc Gooden's No Hitter um, Jake uh, Robert De Niro and Raging Bull I just watch it like oh my god and the fourth was the screening There's not even a sad scene just watching this woman Mary Elizabeth Winstead act exactly like everyone I have ever known I mean she has to be nominated for an Oscar right she does so where where can we see this oh it's uh we just made all that up to tease you. <laughs> no, <laughs> if, if LA, uh, it's like Sunset Lemley. Um, at Arclight. And they right did, now. Um, right now, yeah. It's in, it's in limited release right now. Okay. It's, it's at Arclight. Make that Wednesday push, man. And uh, <laughs> they did really something cool on Saturday night for, at, at Arclight is they had a special showing for survivors oh. of sexual abuse, sexual assault. And so I thought, I mean, this this was the big deal for me is you take the flyer in and you say, here you go, and it was, we believe you. So you didn't have to go into it, you didn't have to do anything, but present the flyer. And, and that was the sentiment of all you gotta do is say, hey, this happened, uh, and we believe you. And so that, that we believe you message, that was just for me Healing. personally having dealt with that in my life. I think that that was just like that's who's running. I was so proud you were a part of something that was it's the, one of the best things I've ever done. Uh, wow, you know, I can't wait to see it. An organization that was doing that. So I was and the director's really like, proud. she's a visionary, she's incredible. And Mary Elizabeth Winstead, the actress, that was her idea. And I got a text from the director, Eva. I was in New York, she goes, look what Mary did. So I like, and they, they, did, they did it for a showing in New York too, so it was like by Coastal. Yeah. It's a great movie all about yeah, Nina. It's, it was it's, all about Nina. Go, go see okay. it, or if you know it's not in a theater near you, definitely when it hits iTunes, stream it, however you can stream it. Okay, it was brilliant. Cool. Let's so, stay in touch. And like, I, if I'm in town, I'll always come back and ask you more questions because I just, if people watch this and share it and it's, I can help at all. I've, I, like, my life's purpose is to separate people from their concern. Mm -hmm. And if I can help, like, I'm getting choked up. Like, when you guys are in the supermarket, like, it's embarrassing. But it's also enraging that I feel embarrassment because you're looking at me and my kid. Like, I've been there just with my son. It's like, this is really embarrassing, but you have no business in my business <laughs> you know so but then it's embarrassing then it's enraging then it's heartbreaking and it's all the above and it's yeah. i don't know what it's like at all so just yeah keep it open i want to say this though that there is a part of our journey that please know and i want for people to know that it is a sacred privilege that i have a friend that um she was my college roommate and she had a child with autism 17 years before i did and at a time when there wasn't the resources that I had, right? And I watched her go through this process. And her child has many more challenges than mine has because he didn't, partially at least, because he didn't get the services, even though she pulled out the stops. I mean, she had volunteers come to her house. She did everything that a human being could do. And in the course of that, descended into a, a, a drug addiction has been in and out of rehab, has struggled because hard, hard thing. But she said to me. It's a lot of feelings. Oh my gosh. So I go, I'm, I'm in but, recovery, so I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. But she said to me, she said, 
early on when I said, how did you do this? I don't know how to do this. And she said, I walk through the grocery store. I see people looking at my kid. And she said, and I put my shoulders back because I know that I have the privilege of having this child and that they don't know what that is. That, for me, colored everything moving forward. Because if she could say that to me, and I always think about that, I put my shoulders back. And, and I try to say to parents, walk tall. Yeah. Whenever you can, walk tall. Because this is a privilege. It's hard, but it's a privilege too. And I would be remiss if I didn't bring up that part of it. Because um, I'm so lucky. I See, I agree as well. It's like, um, I, I subscribe to what you think where I don't think everything happens for a reason. Uh-huh. But I no, think, it doesn't. But I think that when you're dealt your cards, but everything happens. It's what you do with them. Right. What? It's 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 what you do when those things happen. And and I'm not pretending that if I couldn't wave a magic wand that my oldest child wouldn't be able to talk and do all the things that his 13-year-old friends do. But that being said, um, just in our autism journey, we have met so many beautiful people oh, that have just been there for our family. Yeah. Um, there's people, my nephew, um, for example, he, uh, my nephew Vincent lived with us, um, you know, for a big chunk of his childhood, his teens and 20s, and, and now he's an ABA therapist. Oh. And this was all because he saw Ian getting ABA therapy in the house and said, I want to grow up and do that. And now he's a great therapist. Um, so how many lives have been impacted because my little boy had autism? Right. Um, so all I know is we were able to make a lot of good. I mean, there's a lot of people in his life. His his Jimbree teacher just became a B. She just got her BCBA. Wow. Yeah. And so it's, you know, and she wrote to me to say this was because of you and Ian. So I always um, think of that Bible verse: "By his wounds we are healed." It's kind of like that. It's like, you know, yeah, you know, Ian goes through struggles and he has all of that, but he's a beautiful, amazing little boy that I'm lucky to know I'm really lucky that he's my little boy and how many kids just like himself has he impacted by being so sweet and inspired his caregivers yeah and his family and his friends to go seek that job yeah so I just so you know I I, I just like to be real about it because mm-hmm. you know it can be a poop sandwich on certain days right <laughs> yes. but there is also um, I think and not everybody gets to it at the same time but if you stay in this journey long enough you crest the top of it and go, oh, um, this is pretty special too. Mm-hmm. Still a poop sandwich sometimes. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to make it sound like it's right. like, woo, hearts and flowers and roses. That ain't it. It's but like you learn how to make your sandwich taste better. That's right. Find out. The crack is how the lights get in. The light gets in, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, you guys love big. You guys love big. That's you, that right. means you hurt big. Yeah. But you're 100, and, but that means your love and your joy is big, and people that aren't 100, they can't even conceptualize of what you feel when you feel that good, that love. So, good. That's I got my eye on you, Shannon. I got my eye on you. I'm going to be saying nice things about you behind your back forever. I'm going to do the so same you know. thing to you. What do you uh, think of that? So there. What about Can me? Can we get more gin? And, uh, Robin's starting again. <laughs> <laughs> my father used to tell me, Time for wrestling practice. (laughs) 
you have to go wrestle. Yeah, that was uh, my and, very and, not subliminal way of saying. Uh, yes, no, no, no. <laughs> it's all and, I, over. and I've kept him longer than we should have. But I want to thank both of you for being here. Let's talk again about the dates. Where do people get tickets so that they know? Robin, tell us. So this is going to be on a Friday night, October 19th at the historic Fox Theater in Fullerton. It is a beautiful venue, really fun. Um, and you can go online to fullertoncares.org or jmore.com. We'll have a link. Um, will Autism Live also have a link to buy tickets? They will tickets? now. No, will just now. say they will. Yes, they will. And she's going to get it up real quick. <laughs> okay, Autism Live will have a link. Um, also, if you do Facebook, go to Fullerton Cares um, and like us or Fullerton Cares Friend Zone, which is our parent support group. And, and Fullerton and Cares does amazing things. It's a great organization, uh, which I wholeheartedly support always. I, I, I just love all of you together in that community. I still say I'm going to retire to Fullerton. You uh, should, but retire to Fullerton, and, but that's another move. I know. It is. I, I'm telling you. Nate Boyer was in the Army, and he's a motivational speaker. He's a dear friend of mine, Sergeant Nate Boyer, and he told me. I asked him, I said, do you like, do soldiers like, when we come up to him and say, like in the airport or a restaurant, and say, thank you for your service. He goes, yeah, but then what do you do? Wow. So then what do you do? That's what I'm telling everybody at home. So this is what I can do. Mm. So like, yeah, you're compassionate, but then what do you do? Like you just mentioned all those people that became therapists. So yeah, that's great that you feel for them, but then what do you do? Well, you're hosting mm -hmm. the show. That's what you're doing. Yeah. And it's going to be hilarious. You can see that the man is hilarious. I have to and go he's run. Uh, Buddha on the side. Well, Buddha's about to go <laughs> run your 15 year olds into the ground until they vomit. So I have to yes, take yes, off yes, here. Shannon, so, I love you. I love you back. Yes. Sincerely. Okay. So, uh, I love you. <laughs> I love you too. Okay. And, uh, and I love you too, Ryan. It's my Irish I goodbye, right? And, uh, but wait, we got, we got to go to a break and then oh. we're going to get him out of here. But stick around because we've got more Autism Live coming back after these messages. When Maddie was diagnosed, I'll be honest, I was very ignorant on what autism was. I knew that autism was basically something that hit boys at the age of two to three and shut down. And with Maddie, she was doing all the same signs and symptoms of a typical child with autism spectrum disorder. Stand up. I was thinking that we might be moving somewhere so that people could assist us either in the house or us going to see our daughter because she was shutting down to a point that she wouldn't even recognize you being there by putting your hand in her face and yelling her name. She didn't even acknowledge us coming into the room. She had barely any eye contact. She didn't interact with her sisters. She didn't really do anything. She just basically lined up her toys and that was about it. There's eight volunteers, including my husband and I, and I'm the team leader, and so I do all the curriculum and, and get everything ready each week. Jana was downstairs until 11 o'clock at night working on curriculum, going through two different textbooks. Oh, look, who's that? And then we, as a group, meet on Monday nights, and we would go through what the curriculum was from Jana. And a lot of times we would go, well, how exactly do you do that? How do you sit her at the table and, and do this trial base? Yeah! Well, what skills has done for us, it's taken that away from Jana trying to figure out the curriculum for one, she can go down, or on our, even our laptop, and she can sit down and through all these questions, it comes up with the different programs. 
at least for me, it was a relief off my shoulders. I was worried that I might be missing a curriculum that maybe she needs to know, where skills, they have every, every possible thing your child needs to know from zero to seven. They have a program for that. What noise is this? Every program that we did with her, I knew it was specific for what she needed to learn. Because before skills, it was a lot of, okay, well, is that really age appropriate for a two-year-old? You know, because it's not generalized. It's anywhere from zero to seven. This is what your child needs to know in most, in most manuals you'll find. But for this, okay, yep, yeah, she should be learning this. And no, she's not four yet. She doesn't need to know that yet. We are so fortunate that Jana was able to attend a conference put on by card that opened the door for skills and that um, there's no looking back for us. We started using the program in November and it seemed like by January something just clicked and she has completely kind of came out of her fog that she was in for quite a while. I have never read a documented case on any child that has not benefited anything from applied behavior analysis and uh, now with this new skills and being you know like the e version of ABA I can't imagine that it doing anything harmful to their child it, it's nothing but exponential growth for us to see her now it is it just blows us away I mean we call her our little miracle child because in seven months time she has just blossomed into this normal functioning child she is developing roundly. She is socializing. She's playing with her peers. She's learning from her peers. It's very joyous. Maddie, can you tell me what you see outside? Snow. Snow? If you're even thinking about doing it, do it. Because the absolute worst thing you could do is do nothing at all. And even if you use this program and it's just a single mom or a single dad working in the evenings with their child, this program is going to benefit them. It's going to show you where they are, it's going to show you where they need to go, and it's going to show you what skills and how to get there. It is an online book on how to help recover your child. Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. I'm Nancy Allspot Jackson. And I'm Shannon Penrod. Hello, my friend. Thrilled to be here with you as always. Thrilled to be here with you. I was gone last week. I had a bit of the stomach flu, so. And I missed you. Yeah, I missed you too. I totally missed you, but are you feeling better? I'm feeling much better. Thank good, you. Because we want you to feel good for D&D. We've got Denim Diamonds and Stars coming up yes. and it's a big, our biggest fundraiser of the year. And it's really exciting because we've got um, Martin Sheen is coming to present an award to um, which I'm stupid excited about I'm just Richard Schiff <laughs> I know Richard Schiff and then Dulé Hill who was also on the oh, West Wing I didn't know he Dulé's was coming. coming yes Joe Montagna is coming Gary Cole is coming we're gonna have a bit of a West Wing reunion with I Martin Sheen so. Dulé Hill and 
and uh, Gary Cole because now they were all in the West Wing. Jimmy Smith and Allison Janney, and you've got the whole thing. That's and Bradley the, Whitford. Let's oh, get that's it. right. Yeah, <laughs> but we've got a lot of big celebrities coming, and a lot of autism oh, supporters. And those, those uh, Gary Cole, Joe Montana, and uh, Richard Schiff, of course, all autism dads. Yeah. Which is we uh, we you know want to give a shout out to the dads because these yeah. dads in particular are tremendous advocates for our yeah. kids. So. I want everybody to, you know, take a look at the, come go to our website, act-today.org, and you can see all about the fundraiser. And even if you can't come, you can always make a contribution. And there are a couple of tickets left. Is that correct? Yeah, there are some tickets left. If you have a burning desire to be there and rub elbows because you love the West Wing and you want to be there for this you know, reunion right. of all these people, right. you still could come. Yes, There you aren't can. a lot of tickets left. There are there some are, tickets for, left. There are a couple of tickets left, and you could do that. Now, if you absolutely can't because it's too late notice. Yeah, and it's also, or, it's a fundraiser, so I understand it, the price for some it, people it is, is prohibitive. It is expensive, but um, we will be covering it live on the red carpet. Which I'm um, so excited about. I'm excited about, too. And so we will be there live, and with all that it entails, the mishmash that mm-hmm. that is, because uh, we're just, you know, one little camera. It's not right. like when you go to the Oscars and they can throw it to somebody else. So you get to see everything. You get to see, you know, when people trip and fall on the right. red carpet. You get to see everything, um, which I think is kind of fun, but it can also be a little bit nutty. But uh, we're excited to be there and to support you and to support, because you got Richard Schiff is getting an award. He's getting an award, the Activist Award. And Joanne Laura, my girl, is yes, we love award. Joanne Laura. Isn't if anybody deserves an award, it's Joanne Laura. No kidding, for all the things that she does. Anybody that works as hard as but she does. But good on you guys for choosing her, because what a wonderful thing. And Rose uh, Van Wareheim from Golden Heart Ranch, who she's also, also is doing great work. Amazing, amazing. So uh, we have some great honorees, and it's so important because Shannon, you know, more than ever, we have stories. We. We it seems like yet every other day there's a new story. Yes, um, we have to do a follow up. We we first covered the fact that uh, this wonderful little boy Maddox Rich Maddox was Rich, six years uh, old was missing last week at the time that we did the show, and we were hoping and praying that he could be found. the The way this story is is that he was at the park with his dad and another adult. And a jogger ran by, mm-hmm. and he ran after the jogger. And Dad, who has neuropathy in his feet, uh-huh. feet has diabetes, diabetes, so yeah. has a hard time feeling the bottom of his feet, tried to run after him and thought, as you would, right. you know, I'm going to catch up to him eventually. Right. Except he never did. And that was the last time that he saw Maddox. Last week, we were still hoping and praying that he would be found safely. And, of course, we all know that this story did not end how no, many of us they found hoped. his body. Um, in in Long Creek, about a mile uh, from where he disappeared. And this is a tale we hear all the time. All the time. And we have, um, you know, safety. um, We give safety grants. And just the other day, I gave a grant for a fence to a family. Uh, we have far too many families that need fences. Yes. That we can't. Fences are very expensive. They're very expensive, and I, and I, you know, we had instituted uh, um, the stop program because it right. isn't just about the fence. People need to realize how pervasive this problem is. That over fifty percent of kids on the autism spectrum will at some point elope. Both Nancy and I have had our sons elope. Yes, and my son used to elope constantly. And and we need for the world to stop judging. It is not that these are bad parents because. 
because no one can be vigilant 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I couldn't catch Wyatt. He was too fast for me. A couple of times no he kidding. took off and I just could. I, I could never catch Jem. Mm -hmm. I, I was lucky. We just talked about this the other day because we just moved. And I remember when we were moving to the place where this happened, we kept going and looking at different apartments and condos. And every single one, the front door opened up to something that was either a cliff or a freeway, right. or I mean, it was. I said to my husband, "Is this? Are we being punked? This right, is, right. Like, there's no way we can have a child with autism in the, these apartments. And the apartment we took, we took because in order for him, if he got out, this is how far ahead we were thinking because we knew he eloped. He would have to go downstairs mm -hmm. and run quite a ways, and that I would have at least a fighting chance to get him if he got out. And that's the only reason why my kid, I got to him and I screamed and he turned around and stopped, which that's only because we've been working on ABA. Right. Which was my point. You can't just have a fence. You have to have a lot of things happening in order to keep a kid right. safe. You have to a have fence and locks and ABA. ABA is and very swimming important. Training. We did um, social stories and Wyatt came up with a, a favorite story of his that he eventually made into a little book. I love it called Sammy Learns to Listen. And one day Wyatt eloped at the LA Zoo. We were in the spider exhibit and there was like black lights and scary oh, music yeah. and he ran out. So he wrote a social story about a little monkey named Sammy who ran away and got locked into the zoo for the night. And we made it a really fun story because Sammy visited with all the animals and all the animals told him, you better not run away again. Yeah. And so he learned that way. That was a social story that we learned from ABA. Yeah. Um, but there are other, you know, tracking devices, yes. ABA, in but addition to But it's all expensive and it's takes all, time. all expensive and time consuming. So we are heart sick about this story and losing poor Maddox. But I do want to say to anybody who's listening, if you need to look at your child and imagine that your child can say to you, when I get the chance, I'm going to run. And if your child could say that, what would you do? And that's what we need to do. If you need help and support, you can apply for a grant from ACT today. You're in an open grant phase right now that for the entire month of October where people can apply for grants. Um, but there isn't enough money for everyone. No, there and isn't. That is we've, a reality. We've got hundreds of families that we can't fulfill their grants. And, and these are families that are saying this is life-threatening. I mean, this is serious business. And this is why Nancy works so hard to raise money and why I work so hard to support her in this. So if you can come to Denim and Diamonds, great. If you can't, find another way to support right. and to help, you know, whether you have a lemonade stand or you send in a donation or you talk to the aunt that you have that loves to donate and say, you know what, don't get me a birthday present this year, but could you please donate, whether it's $50 or $5 or $500, whatever it is, right. because you'll be saving a life. Yes. And I'm okay. sure that, that this family would do anything to have gotten this child uh, back. Right. Anything. As would we all. Okay, other Another, story that we have. Yeah, interesting, <clears throat> which actually no surprise that some conditions tend to accompany autism in pairs. And you they know said, I always love the stories that I go, the duh, duh that heard was heard around, around the world. world. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. But I think that this is important because um, I 
you know how sometimes you find yourself saying, okay, is this just that my this is my child? Right. Or is this the f- fact that my child is four? Or is this autism? And you go to the doctor sometimes and say, well, he's doing this. And the doctor goes, well, that's kids. Right. Or, well, that's autism. And nothing gets done about it. I think this separates it out a little bit so that it makes it a little bit more urgent to make sure that you get the help and the support that you need when dealing with certain issues. For right. instance... Do you um, yeah, the main one they started with here were children with autism are more likely to have both sleep problems and constipation than would be expected based on the prevalence of each of those conditions. Young autistic children are also unexpectedly likely to have both sleep and eating troubles. Isn't that, and, and again, the duh heard around the right. world, but you can take this study uh, to your pediatrician and you can say, look, this is not my imagination. And this is more prevalent, but that doesn't mean we don't treat it. Right. You still treat the constipation. You still treat the sleep disorder. I I really recommend that you Google on our site or or on do the search feature on our YouTube channel. Um, We do we did a whole bunch of um, segments on sleep and using a bedtime pass and had a pediatrician on Mm -hmm. with us talking about things you can do because we know how to make the bedtime thing a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Using so, ABA therapy. Yes, using behavioral therapy without having to medicate. Because once right. we get into medicating for sleep, for some kids you need it, but it really, you turn a corner there. There are also some natural mm-hmm. um, yeah. things you can buy that help. We used to do something called, I think, sleep, sleepy, what was it called? Well, I you, know that one of the ones that uh, Dr. Ramiche recommends. recommends is Tranquil Sleep. Tranquil Sleep, that's the one we and did. You need to check with your pediatrician to make that sure that it's right for your child, but that is one that she recommends um, because it doesn't, a lot of times people give just melatonin, um, and melatonin won't work in all cases, uh, and the one that she recommends has melatonin, tryptophan, and something else, mm-hmm. and it's the combo of the three that actually works. I know what it is. Melatonin, it'll work, but it only puts you to sleep for like four hours, and then okay. the kids wake back up. Right. And that's not good either. Um, um, there's other <clears throat> conditions, more than half, of, at least four other conditions, which some of which frequently occur together. Anxiety is associated with insomnia. Um, overlap between attention deficit disorder, speech problems, and gastrointestinal issues. And so, again, you know, it makes me crazy when a mom will tell me, well, my son has been having, um, they'll they'll say he rocks, that he has all these behaviors and he pushes his belly up against things and uh, he hasn't had a decent bowel movement in two years, whether it's on the constipation side or... We always get into the poop thing on the right side. Let's just say what it is, right? That there are all these issues that go on, and they have food selectivity, and 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 I'll say, have you had the opportunity to talk to your pediatrician about it? It makes me crazy that the the mom will often say, well, the pediatrician said he, you know, he just has autism, Mm -hmm. so they don't. And if a neurotypical child came in and the mom said he hasn't had a a well-formed stool in two years, the pediatrician would do things. Mm-hmm. And we as parents have to say on our pediatricians so that they will treat our kids. That's right. not normal. 
Um, and, and it means that their underlying conditions, sometimes we'll find that they're, the kids have uh, leaky gut syndrome, right. which then can lead to ulcers in mm -hmm. the intestines, which is why they're rocking and why they're pushing their bellies up against things. When It's always devastating when a parent finds out that their child has been in pain right. for a long time right. and that there's something to do about it. And so, that can cause behavior problems, as we know. Of course it can. Uh, I mean, when you were not feeling well last week, if you had forced yourself to come in, and thank right. goodness you didn't have to, but if you had, you would have had a really hard time performing right, of and course. doing what your what your typical job of is course. to do. If you could do it, right? right? You might have had to take breaks and go, and that's that's you already knowing how to do your job. Mm -hmm. when, if I was trying to teach you physics right. while you felt that way, how successful do any of us think we would be? Exactly. Um, so our, that's part and parcel of what's going on with our kiddos. Okay, so, so um, we have um, two great guests today. We really do. Uh, one, we have Ryan Hammond, who is from... Um, the Eagles Autism Challenge, which is a very big thing that the Philadelphia Eagles do every year. So we're going to tell you about that event, and she's going to fill us in. And when, then we have the author of a book, What Autism Gave Me, A Devastating Diagnosis to a Triumphant Life, Michael Haywood Goudreau, who overcame autism. He's a story of recovery. I can't wait to talk And to he also has a lot of stuff about martial arts and what that did for him along with other there are a lot of people that report that martial arts has been helpful right. for Wyatt them. Right, Wyatt has had quieting. some, I'm going to get him back into it. We stopped for a while. We Jem went for a very brief period of mm -hmm. time. Um, it did. We were doing okay, and then we asked another friend to come that was on the spectrum, and then two in the class was too much for the teacher. Mm -hmm. And the other kiddo was taking to it much more. Mm -hmm. So we bowed out for a little while, which then became forever. I always feel kind of sad about we that. We bowed out, and that became forever, too, because of expense. It was we, The one-on-one -on -one was very expensive for it, Wyatt. And see, we were trying to... And we probably should have done the one-on-one, -on -one, but we were trying to have them in a class with other right. kids. But as I said, two became too much. Right. Now, the other boy went on to get many belts, and I think he still does it. He really was into it, and it was very helpful to him. I gotta say, it wasn't really Jem's thing. He mm -hmm. would go to it, but who knows? If I'd kept him in it, maybe right. he would have stayed longer. Right. But uh, you know, it's so hard to know. We try to find what our kids are good at. Yeah, we do. And we gravitate to those things and stay in them because what we gravitate towards when when something makes sense to us. So, but I love that it was able to help him. Yes. And that that he was someone uh, who benefited from it. So we're right. going to talk with him. Want to remind you guys too that you guys can be writing in to us if you have questions for either of these guests. So uh, shall we take a break? Yes. And um, then we'll be back with Ryan Hammond from the, the Philadelphia Eagles, Autism, Eagles Challenge. Autism Challenge. Stick with us. Sorry, I think we're like a couple. Hey guys, for the month of September, I figured I'd show you guys how to make a task completion chart to help your kids get through the hardest parts of the day. Parents have been writing into our host, Shannon Penrod, the hardest parts of the day are waking up in the morning, after school, and getting ready for bed. Please keep in mind you can always modify the task completion chart to focus on the skills that your family needs most. The template we'll be using today to make the task completion chart you can find at facebook.com slash autismlive. Alright, let's get to it. The materials you'll be needing are the template, cardstock, scissors, hole puncher, glue, pipe cleaner, velcro, and photos or images. 
We find it more reinforcing for kids if you use images of themselves doing the tasks that you're trying to get them to complete. So what I have here to start off are photos of myself doing all the tasks that we're going to add to our task completion chart today. The first step you're going to be doing is printing the template from facebook.com slash autismlive. I have it here and the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to trim out the top. We don't need that, that's just totally excess. Now that I trim my three templates, I'm going to label each one with a different part of the day that we're focusing on, such as waking up, after school, and getting ready for bed. Now that I've finished labeling the templates with the appropriate time of the day, I'm going to attach the photos that go with it. For bedtime, the tasks I chose were getting ready for school, putting away toys, putting on pajamas, and brushing teeth. Now repeat this for all the rest of the day. Now that I've added the photos to the template, I am taking this along with my heavy cardstock to hold all my tokens. I'm going to line them up and make three hole punches. I'm going to take this pipe cleaner and attach the pages together with it. We're almost done putting this together. Next, I'm going to take my Velcro. I'm going to put them underneath each picture and then I'm gonna add four on the very edge too. Now that I've attached the rough side of the Velcro to the template, now I'm gonna take the softer side and add these to the tokens. You can use whatever you want for the tokens, whatever your child finds reinforcing. They could be stickers, images, spacemen, Pokemon, whatever they like. Before you use your task completion chart, it's really important that you do a preference assessment to see what your child finds reinforcing that day. Once you have that established, then you can tell them the rule for how this task completion chart works. So every time they get one of their tasks completed, they add a token to it. And the way the task completion chart functions is like a token economy. So after they put a token under each one of these tasks, they can trade it in for their reinforcer for the day. Now that you've made your task completion chart, hopefully your child will be able to use it on a daily basis and help them through those difficult times of the day. Well, until next time, craft on. Bye, guys. Can you see me flying by your side? Welcome back Welcome to Let's back. Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. I'm thrilled right now because we have the fabulous Ryan Hammond joining us via Skype. She is the executive director of the Eagles Autism Challenge. And she is also uh, most recently served as the executive director of the Kinney Center for Autism Education Support at St. Joseph's University. She is a, a wonder and a treasure, and I, I can't wait to hear more about the Eagles Autism Challenge. So first of all, uh, welcome to the show, Hi, Ryan. Ryan. Hi, Ryan. We're, we're great. So happy to have you here. So tell us about... Um, what this is the second annual Eagles Autism Challenge on May 18th, 2019. Tell us what it is. We are just going into year two of the Eagles Autism Challenge. And, you know, this all started with a vision from our owner, Chairman and CEO Jeffrey Laurie. He has a brother on the autism spectrum, and he really has been committed to autism. He and his family, uh, for a number of years. And he really looked at the opportunity to leverage our platform here as the Philadelphia Eagles, the NFL, and how do we bring people together? How can he use this platform to be an advocate for others? With the continued prevalence increasing, it really just 
was drawn to him to say, I want to do more for others. And again, people are aware of autism today, but how do we take action? And that's really how the the Eagles Autism Challenge was born. And with that, it, it became an event to raise money and elevate the profile of our city, Philadelphia, in the autism space, but also to take advantage of those thought leaders that we have here through the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, uh, Drexel University, Thomas Jefferson Health, and again, engage with the community in a meaningful way. So what we ended up doing, because you know our team brings people together, so creating an event that really was able to capitalize on that was just a key component to, to the strategy. So we developed a bike ride and a walk and run for families, and we actually had a giving threshold. So families, if you were a walker or a runner, you raised or $250 last year. And uh, if you were a rider, it was $500, $750, and $1,000. And we were very intentional. And, you know, in, at first, people, I think, weren't necessarily used to having these aggressive fundraising goals set. And we really asked people to join us as a leader. This event isn't for everyone as a participant, but those who are are really taking, you know, center stage with the Philadelphia Eagles to just make a stand around autism and, and again, make sure that we're in a situation where we're putting a positive emphasis on it, we're bringing the community together, but also we're creating critical resources that are going to impact families today and tomorrow. And so, who are some of the organizations that will benefit from this? So our initial year, we had designated beneficiaries. So Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and they have a lot of research going on around autism. They actually have a center for autism research within their hospital infrastructure. Drexel University, who also has a commitment and an AJ Drexel Autism Institute there at the university. And then Thomas Jefferson, which is one of the largest health systems here in Philadelphia. So again, three phenomenal partners that we felt could certainly move the needle here, but also to be able to position ourselves that this information would be shared, you know, nationally, globally, to make a difference for all families. And this year you have something different. You have the sensory walk, right? We do. So that's one thing, you know, we came out of the gate with this event, but certainly open to learning. And one thing that we've learned with autism is about being flexible and Again, we wanted to have an event that presented this unique opportunity to engage with the Philadelphia Eagles. Every one of our players participated, our cheerleaders, our mascot swoop, and then even the drumline. And we found that for some of our guys, especially on the spectrum, as they came into the stadium and a drumline is playing and it's a new environment and people that they maybe haven't met or seen before, um, we just wanted to make sure that we kind of responded to that and for this year in addition to the 5k that's an amazing event we also included a sensory walk for families that has a shorter distance in case the the distance of the uh, 5k was too much but also that was quiet and had strategic breaks along the way but also allowed them to ha share in the same experience so the amazing thing is that all of the levels of participation whether you're a cyclist or you're a walker or you're a runner they all end crossing the 50 yard line at our stadium so we are still able to do all that with the sensory walk, but just make sure that we're meeting the needs of those that might have sensory differences and need a little bit more support. And your inaugural event was quite successful. It raised in excess of $2.5 million. Yes. So we raised over $2.5 million where every dollar is being invested in autism research. And one thing, when you go back to Jeffrey Laurie, he is a visionary leader. And this is something so important to him because it is personal as well. And we actually then hired a scientific advisor who was helping us vet the research. So 
while all of the dollars are being designated to our beneficiary organizations, we're still actually having them submit proposals. They'll be under the direction of our scientific advisor, reviewed by a peer review panel from across the country, leaders in the field, and we will be sure that what we're supporting has measurable outcomes, it's not being duplicated, and that it can really achieve transformation for families, whether it be a program or research. So really excited to implement that process where it's not a transaction. It's making sure that there's accountability and that we're really achieving that transformational impact that, that is definitely, you know, for us, hopefully changing the lives of those affected by autism. So that has also led us to year two where we're actually accepting applications beyond those founding beneficiaries and other institutions outside of that, but also uh, that are in the Philadelphia region. So we expect to really have a competitive process that is just going to elevate, as I mentioned, Philadelphia in that global scale, but really invest a lot of dollars in autism research. And, uh, you know, that's one of the commitments here with the team. So we raised over a million dollars in sponsorships that we don't necessarily even talk about because that was there to secure all of the funding to actually produce the event and, again, guarantee that every single dollar raised is then invested into autism research and support. Amazing. Right. Now, I understand, Ryan, that this, this has been sort of kismet for you because you had worked with the Philadelphia Eagles before as an intern. Is that correct? So I actually, I started as an intern in 98, 99. I worked full-time for the team from 2000 through 2008. I, you know, I'm a working mom, I have three daughters, uh, but at the time I had my first two daughters while I was here at the Eagles. And, um, you know, again, being here is special and it's, a be, it's about being part of something bigger than yourself. You have amazing leadership who make a difference, not just on the field, but off. And it really led me into the world of nonprofit. And, you know, when you mentioned that kismet, um, I ended up going to St. Joseph's University and it was at the exact time that there was a local family making a $7 million investment to start an autism center. And given my experience kind of outside of higher ed, I became a candidate to help lead that initiative. And, you know, having all of my strategic planning experience that I've had here with the team, I, I kind of jumped in, you know, from the ground floor. And, and even today, when I think about, you know, how much everything in my life has, has changed and how I went from being passionate about working for the Eagles to being passionate about autism, you know, it started really with this family. And they put their trust in me to build a center that would have an impact that they really saw um, as a need for families. And, and everything I did, you know, when I, when I took on that role, it was about accepting a responsibility to carry out someone's vision. And again, that's so personal to them. They have a son with autism who I'm very close with today. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of went on that journey with them from building it from the ground up where we started serving about 25 families in year one to about 850 families when I left there in January and training over eight, 150 undergraduates every year who will get 2,000 work experience hours directly, you know, providing support for individuals with autism before they graduate. So it was that twofold effect that I loved because we were supporting and serving families and meeting them where they needed us today, but then also providing those individuals who will have careers in the field of autism, supporting you know, the families obviously on campus as they were students, but the countless families that they would touch as a result of having a career in the field of autism and making sure they were trained the right way that it could be a sustainable career and that they really can make a difference. So um, I'm still very close with that family and uh, it was definitely 
challenging to make a decision to come back to the Eagles, but I also felt that, you know, I had built that center to a place where it was a, stop, a top strategic priority for the institution and position for future, you know, growth and obviously impact for families. And, and this was an opportunity to work, you know, where I was there working with a visionary, here coming to work for a visionary who had that very similar situation, it being personal to them and asking me to join them and, and really carry out their vision and, and again, make it about families, make it about changing their lives and, and really addressing it at, at a platform that I, I might not have had at St. Joe's. Well, and, and how fortunate for the Eagles that they get somebody that they know and appreciate already who has a wealth of knowledge about autism. It is kismet. It's a, I love when things come full circle right. like that and it all makes sense. And I want to congratulate all of you for having found that. But how can people participate and moving forward? Out. So registration is already open, and you can actually visit and learn more at eaglesautismchallenge.org. And when you're on there, you can learn more about the event. There's various levels of participation if you're local. And we certainly had it become a destination event. We actually even had a father and son fly in from the Netherlands to participate. And, you know, their personal story, everyone is on their own journey. And when I spoke to that father, one comment that, you know, really struck me and really just made this just even more of a reality of what we were accomplishing here was he said to me you know in the netherlands it was tricky his son is higher functioning but struggled to fit in and find his place and he really packed his bags and raised money and signed up for the 5k so his son could have his first positive association with autism and to think about being able to accomplish that in addition to raising money and you know helping pave the way for the future for other families. It was just, it's incredible. So I'm not going to say that, you know, geography would prevent you from coming to Philadelphia and be welcomed with open arms to participate. Uh, so you could be in the sensory walk, you could be a part of our 5K or one of our cycling routes, which is 15, 30, or 50 miles. And otherwise, you can also be a virtual participant. So if you're not able to make that trip, you can still be connected to the event and be a part of what we're accomplishing here, joining our organization as leaders. And we couldn't really do it without, obviously, people being open-minded, whether they are, you know, in the autism community or in the business community, they are also, you know, it's our sponsors. So Lincoln Financial Group, actually, they, they've named our stadium, and we've had an amazing relationship with them. But to see that we have alignment outside of football and that they have a priority around autism has been phenomenal. They actually just started an autism to work task force that they're working on. So making sure that we're changing, you know, again, that awareness to action and they're working on inclusion efforts. We have Wawa, which is a local company that is sponsoring the rides, uh, Five Below our 5K. So again, bringing people together uh, on and off the field has been just a tremendous feat for us. And, and again, also sharing that vision or that goal to really make an impact in the autism community. So I would certainly say, you know, checking out our site, registering for a level of participation if you can get to Philadelphia, uh, but also considering the virtual participants or even just supporting the, the cause in general. I think it's really a call of action, and it's been wonderful to see the response from the community. And uh, we were able to do an op-ed in Sports Illustrated about Jeffrey and his commitment to this initiative. And, you know, then we had the Doug Flutie Foundation reaching out, and they love that we are using football to support autism, and, and they made a contribution. So it's 
been really tremendous to see all the different ways we've been able to touch and interact with people. And then also, again, even within our own organization, to see the players self-identify with having a personal connection with an individual on the spectrum. We have one of our players, Jordan Hicks, has a brother on the spectrum, and you know I've gotten to know him a lot. Uh, through this process because he's an advocate and um, our center Jason Kelsey his wife is an autistic support classroom teacher so we're also having these really amazing organic stories arise within our organization that is leading you know to open dialogue and really again strengthening that connection with bringing people together to make a real difference and tell us again where people can go to find out more and to register absolutely so it's it's www.eaglesautismchallenge.org Okay. Wonderful. Thank you so much for all of the good sure. work that you're doing. Of course. We wish you the best of luck with this event. Well, thank you. And what you're doing to really give us a vehicle for this dialogue is, is incredible and, and really appreciate, you know, we're all in this together. And, right. and it's just the beginning for, right. you know, for families and, and just what we can accomplish and, and seeing it beyond one person and how we can make a global impact. Absolutely. Thank everybody Thank there you, for us. Thank you. Good luck. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Remarkable young woman and a yes. great, great organization. This is really, event. you know, to see pro football jumping in like this is great. Isn't it a great thing? I mean, who? I certainly didn't think in our lifetime that we were going to get to the point where, but I think it's just going to be more and more of this. Right. And, uh, and that makes me very excited. So right. we're going to take a break, and then when we come back, we've got another guest. Do you want to hold up the book there, Nancy? Yes. Michael Goudreau, and, uh, he, and we'll be back with him. So what Autism Gave Me. Stick with us. You say hi, we say hi. Let's get loud, let's get wild. Let's get, let's get, 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 let's get Autism Live. We heard you. Everybody wants macaroni and cheese. Yeah, but we're going to make it allergy free. But here's what's the crazy part of this macaroni and cheese. It's actually healthy. And it tastes good. Yeah, it tastes that, really that's good. That's the most important part. Yeah. So we're going to start. We got our water boiling. Um, there's so many variations on the pasta. Um, we're using today a corn pasta. We can verify with the manufacturer that we have a GMO free product. So let's go ahead and put that in there. Ooh, yeah. And if you don't mind, stir that up sure. for me, my friend. Yeah, it's sticking a little bit to the bottom. Yeah. Is that okay? We maybe add a little more high heat oil okay. and spread that around again. One thing you got to know about gluten-free pasta, if you overcook this, it becomes mush. Let's move this guy over to the Swap. other burner so you can see what I'm doing. And now we're going to start with the old macaroni and cheese sauce. What's great is there's a lot of choices for, um, you know, different soups. And the way that I look at soups and again, please follow the recipe on uh, your screen right now. I don't like to measure very often. Uh, but what I like to use is a creamy um, butternut squash soup. So this soup is great because it adds a lot of flavor um, to the dish, but also gives people another serving of vegetables. And with kids, we don't want to over season. Maybe with the adults, we can uh, season some for the kids first pull it out, serve them, and then add a little more, you know, garlic powder or onion powder or other types of things into your dish. So the next most important thing on this recipe is we're going to add in a thickener and the faux cheese. Now some people like their sauce really thick, so you just add in more cornstarch or more arrowroot, so that's not a big deal. 
How's that doing? You think, I think it's ready? I think it's done. Okay, so why don't we switch? I'll okay. take that, you do that. Okay. And um, I'm going to strain this bad boy here. Here, let me turn that off. Okay. Or we're gonna cause trouble again. <laughs> trouble in Lisa's yeah. kitchen. Yeah, no. <laughs> That's another show. Don't, yeah, right? <laughs> so I'm gonna go ahead, get this all strained. It's a good consistency. So I'm gonna check to make sure our pasta is cooked. So really, you just wanna make sure, just like any pasta, it's a little bit squeezy, a little bit. Dude, good job. Yay. We're good. It looks yummy. So even though the cheese is not totally melted, it's okay, don't panic. What's important is that you're gonna love this recipe once you eat it. Um, what I enjoy most about this recipe is that it's, it smells good, but this stuff is amazing. So if you don't mind, I'm going to serve you some up and you can yeah. maybe blow a little bit on it so you don't burn your mouth. Sorry, I'm once a mom, always a mom. I was like, mom. just like, wait till I get <laughs> I know, right? Oh, but I can't wait. wait. I'm excited. <laughs> so I'm going to give a shot of this too. But Oh my gosh, that is so good. This is the ultimate comfort food. So oh, it's so uh, good. Isn't it good. And I'm not just saying that. It is really good. Mmm. <laughs> literally tastes like something our kids would really like. And that sweetness is really, really, really good. So the bonus for us is that when we're serving this to our kids, they're actually getting a full serving of vegetables in this. So instead of just eating a bunch of carbs and worthless calories, you're actually getting some good stuff in this. And um, we'll be back next time. I hope you join us again here on Autism Live. We're really loving the feedback. And if you have additional feedback, here's how you get it to us. You can send it to us via email at autismlive at gmail.com. On Facebook, Facebook, mm -hmm. facebook.com slash autismlive. And also there's thousands of recipes waiting for you to discover them with pictures and different things on the Taka website. So you can hit Taka on the web, takanow.org, and we'll be back. Hopefully we'll get to do this again. I had so much Maybe fun. Maybe we'll have a little wine, but you gotta join <laughs> us next time. We'll look forward to seeing you then. Bye guys, we're gonna keep eating. Back with Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy, and now we are joined by a remarkable young man who has written a book called What Autism Gave Me, A Devastating Diagnosis to a Triumphant Life, and his name is Michael Goudreau, um, and he's going to tell us about his exceptional journey. Welcome to the show, Michael. Hi, thank you for having me. It's good to have you here. Now, against all odds, you went on to earn a BA in History from the University of West Georgia a Master of Business Administration, you work full-time as a data processor, and you have a third-degree black belt, and you sing at fundraising events, and a motivational speaker. Is this that's not enough? Your, your list of accomplishments go on and on. You're a Renaissance man. I guess so. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Renaissance history. You know, it, uh, among, the many among the many eras I was fascinated in in my history classes, uh, Renaissance Italy was one of them. Oh, well, that's appropriate. Well, it is appropriate. Well, let's talk about your journey some. Let's talk about when you were much, much younger and when you were diagnosed in that period of time in your life. Well, uh, like I said in my book, uh, my parents never told me about my diagnosis. Um, there were two options in front of me, like I said. Uh, they could have either let me... They could have, when I came of age, I'd go to a group home where 
I would have no independence whatsoever. Uh, they chose a different path. They chose to uh, uh, work with my disability, work through it, what I mean, and sort of challenge me and improve myself like uh, any other person. And they treated me no different than any other child. And when you were diagnosed, Michael, I know we, we, have to, uh, we have to tell the audience that I was just apologizing to him because he had wonderful slides for us. And I, and I have them on pieces of paper instead of full screen from a lack of preparation this morning. My bad. But um, I'm holding up this piece of paper here, and I don't know if you can see it, Michael. Um, and, and so let's talk a little bit about when you were diagnosed, because there's this, this, I don't even know, I hate it that we refer to things as average, because, uh, you know, what is average? I don't know what that is. Right. And, and people are being high and low on the spectrum. Talk to us a little bit about what you were diagnosed with and what were you, what you were told later about your diagnosis. Well, it's uh, very simple, really. Uh, when I was diagnosed, uh, I was on the low end of the spectrum. Uh, my communication skills, my motor function were below average at the time. Uh, that's what led them to say that I would never be able to go to school or even be able to live on my own when I came of age. And I've, and, and I've got a piece of paper here that actually shows some of your test results. And this black line down the middle is what the average is. And all of your scores are over on this other side. Things that you, at the time, you were experiencing a deficit. How old would you have been for these test results? Well, I was tested starting at the age of four uh, all the way to when I was six or seven. And that test that you're holding is from when I was six years old. Okay. And so you I, were still significantly behind at six, at, at six years old in your a score on these tests. Yes. And then I've got yeah. another one that's from sixth grade that shows that when you were in sixth grade, you were still, this the black line going this way is what would be considered average and all of your scores are below average there. So yes. still in sixth grade, you this is where you were. Something happened, though, because clearly you have gone on to do great things and you've got all these awards and degrees behind you. Talk to us a little bit about what happened. Well, uh, what I would say is persistence. Uh, my parents never gave up on me. I never gave up on myself. I just didn't know... Oh, how to quit. You know, I, I knew I always had to work hard, and that's what I did. I worked hard for everything I wanted. And when you say you worked hard, what were some of the therapies or interventions that your parents did and you did to achieve some um, advancement in some of these areas? Well, uh, like I said, uh, my karate, that was a big help for me. Uh, you know, it, it really helped with my muscle memory. What, and what did my, you say? I'm sorry. Karate. Karate. Yeah, yeah, karate. Okay. Uh, it really helped with both my uh, motor skills and my uh, coordination. And music. It helped with my creativity, and it showed a talent I had for singing. Uh, 
my mom loved to make me sing for all her friends, uh, you know, because she was very proud of me that I could do it. Right. So when did you start your singing? Uh, I had been singing since I was a little kid, but I didn't really get uh, deep into I got into it with Mrs. Richards when I was 10 years old. She was my piano teacher and my vocal teacher, and she's a good friend of mine to this very day. Uh, Mrs. Richards was a former New York opera singer who, when she retired, she moved to Atlanta to be with her daughter, and her daughter's son was a friend of mine, and she told my mom about, about her, and the rest is history. Now, this brings me to my next question for you. So what style do you sing in? Are you an opera singer? Do you sing more pop? Are you more like a, a, a Frank Sinatra? Uh, classical and Broadway. But yeah, uh, my vocal range is great for Sinatra. I, I love to sing Frank Sinatra. We love Frank Sinatra, <laughs> don't we? Does anybody, everybody loves Frank Sinatra. Yes. And talk a little bit about the karate. In the yeah. book you used before each chapter, a quote from Bruce Lee. What are some of those quotes and what do you feel about them? Well, uh, Bruce Lee has been a personal hero of mine my whole life. Uh, you know, I, there was just something about him, the magnetism he had on screen. And, you know, I, I read some of his philosophy books and uh, I was drawn to it in a lot of ways. You know, that warrior spirit that also kindled with my love of samurai culture. And uh, as a martial artist, I try to embody what Bruce Lee represents. A lot of people who love martial arts or practice martial arts are fans of Bruce Lee. And uh, I, I felt that it would be inspiring to pull from some of his philosophy quotes to start every chapter. One chapter I'm very proud of is that, as you think, so shall you become. Uh, talking about how if you believe something and fight and, and work for it, you can become that. But also, I remember Bruce Lee's most famous uh, soliloquy. Empty your mind, be formless, shapeless, like water. Now, water can flow or crash. It can, if you put water into a cup, it becomes the cup. You put it into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. Be like water. What that means is that um, it's about always being moved, always being moving. Uh, always being adapting, always becoming part of your environment, uh, like like water, like Bruce Lee said. I love it. I, and so, you know, we looked at these scores that you had from sixth grade, but then you went on to go to college. How did you? I how did you get into college? Right. How did it, the the jump from sixth grade, where you had these low scores, then you went on to college? What happened in between there besides the singing and the karate? Well, okay. Uh, Short story, I was retested again in my teen years, and they saw that I had moved from being low-functioning autistic to high-functioning autistic. And this school I wanted to go to, University of West Georgia, I saw that I could get in through a singing scholarship. Uh, Dr. Hibbert, uh, the head of the music department, uh, worked to get uh, exemption to get me in. And the head of the and the college board said, "Why not? He's going to flunk out by the end of the year anyway." I went on to get my my history degree from there. Right. <laughs> wow. Wow. So, so you had you had a lot of teachers that believed in you. Well, not just that. 
Uh, I had my parents. I I had friends. I had a very good social life. And yeah, a lot of people believed in me. You know, they took chances on me, and I I wouldn't be where I am without that. And I think. And I thank them every day. Well, let's talk a little bit about where you are right now. Tell us a little bit about what your life is like now. Well, it's actually pretty quiet. You know, I I go to work Monday through Friday. I uh, go to my karate classes. Uh, I mostly spend my weekend just sitting around playing video games, reading comic books, and watching kung fu movies. (laughs) I'm also working on a dream of mine. Um, All my life. Uh, I love to tell stories, uh, even now. I'm trying to write uh, comic books, uh, screenplays, and I'm trying to see if I can write a fantasy novel. So your writing career is very important to you. Well, yeah, but you know, it, it's it it's it's hard for me to to write a lot. You know, I I have so many ideas. Uh, my brain's like a Super Bowl when it comes to that you know, always bouncing from one idea to the next. It's just sometimes hard for me to just sit down and and type out things. Some days I can write out, out pages of material. Other days I can barely write a sentence. Right. I think that's typical for a writer. I think that's pretty much par for the course. And you've, you're already a published writer. So uh, the book, uh, where can we get it? Uh, it's available at Amazon. Barnes & Noble, iTunes, uh, Kindle, and Nook. And for parents who are watching, Michael, and are in the early years, and their child is testing way below average, and they're concerned about it, and they see you with this full life, with a, an MBA, and a job, and hopes and aspirations, what what you your the title of your book is what autism gave me what inspiration do you have for these families of young kids that are struggling uh, a simple one never give up on them uh, the world's going to be against them they don't need anyone else to they need more people to be for them people to encourage them to tell them that yes you can because even though a lot of people are going to say you can't it's important to know that you can because you never know there might be hidden talents that that you don't know about and you can make something of yourself absolutely okay so those are words of wisdom and is there any place we can go to hear you sing michael uh well uh there's the talk i gave in uh st louis uh i sent uh they're actually uh, is it my, on YouTube? Yeah, on YouTube. Actually, there's a there's footage of my college recital where I sang the African tribal song Shoshaloza. All right. Uh, yeah, okay. it's under my, one of my YouTube channels. Okay, and where would we find that? Uh, let's see. Uh, it's, uh, I know, I'm, I'm putting so, you on the spot. So not nice of me to put you on the spot. Because we were supposed to have a video and we didn't have it, and I apologize. It's my bad. <laughs> uh, it's cool. It's cool. Uh, I'm, I'm, I just cannot remember the title. All right, it's we're gonna Google page. you. So Michael Goodrow, G-O-O-D-R-O-E, um, and you yeah. can get his book on Amazon. Would you hold that up for me, there, Nancy? What autism gave me. 
So what, a, what an inspiration you are, Michael. Thank you for all that you're doing, and we will look forward to seeing more of your books. I can't wait to see your fantasy novel. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Michael. Take care. All Good right. luck. Bye-bye. Uh, remarkable young man. Yeah. Yes, with really lots that he's accomplished. Yes, he has. Very exciting. And continuing to accomplish. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to close out the show, talk a little bit more about denim and diamonds right. and, and what's going on with that. Stick with us, and we'll be back after these messages. Parent-to-parent token economies are a great way to get to good behavior with your child. So first of all, let's talk about what is a token economy. It's just a visual representation of reinforcement or a reward that's going to come later on for behavior that you've done now. So I've got a couple examples here of uh, token economies that I want to show you. But one of the most important things to remember with a token economy is that it's essential that whatever the child is working for be meaningful to them. So here, this is a two-part token economy. I've got a list of things for the child to pick from, to pick what they want to work for. So the child would pick off the one they want, put it on their other token economy, and you can see it says, I'm working for a play date. What a great thing to work for. And as this child progresses through their day at school, every time they do a task and they do a good job, they're going to get a token to put on this token economy. And we've got a rule in place for them that says maybe you have to get three tokens in order to get that reward, which today is a play date. And as the child gets better, we're going to make it harder and harder. Maybe next week it's going to be four tokens to get the play date. This is another token economy here. This is a task completion token economy, so every time the child completes a task that the, there's a picture of, they can peel off a token and put it on to demonstrate that they have completed that task. Again, it's essential that they get a really wonderful, meaningful reward for having gotten these tokens. Using a token economy can be much simpler than this, too, because you can download them to put a free app on any one of your devices. Right here on my phone, I've got a free app, Easy Kid Tokens. And when my child does a task and completes it, and I, he can specify what the stickers are. In this case, it is a ladybug. And when he gets three of them, then he's going to get his reward. This is a really simple way to take something with you when you're going on an outing and make sure that your child is staying on task and getting rewarded for the things that they do. It leads to good behavior. One of the most frightening things there is is when your child wanders away or elopes. Jim right there, just smiling, baby picture. <laughs> I, I, I love to look at those. Um, it just makes me want to get my hair shaved off. <laughs> like I'm crazy woman hair right now. Um, but so, that is what it is. So um, once again, Denim and Diamonds for Autism is coming up yes. this weekend. So we encourage people to go online to act-today.org and they can donate there to uh, help provide treatments and care for families who can't yeah. access or afford it. What I just noticed at the end of that video was it shows you the link to the next video when you watch them on YouTube. Because we have playlists on YouTube 
And so, for instance, if you go and watch, there's a playlist about Nancy um, that's called Empowering Parents. Right. And when it's done, it'll show you the preview of the next video. So the, the next video right there that it was showing you was what to do if your child elopes. Right. And that Which we just talked about always, earlier. We today. talked about that earlier. That's the thing that gets me. And when I'm talking to people about autism and what's difficult, often it's so fascinating to me that people who don't deal with autism have no idea. When I say to them, well, roughly 50% of all children with autism will at some time run away from their parents, and that on the average we have one or two kids a week who do this and don't survive it. Right. That is stunning to people. That is, because mm-hmm. you know to us, that is the, it's devastating, but it's like, ugh, we already know. We're aware right? of it. We're right. so aware of it. But for people outside the autism world, they're like, why isn't somebody doing something about that? And, and I always say to them, well, we're trying, we're but trying. we need for all of you to join us because we can't do this by ourselves. We're certainly trying um, because it keeps me up at night. I know it keeps yeah, you yeah, up at it night. it sure does. Um, when so, I see all the grants that we can't fulfill for families that need fencing. It's and leather. devastating. It's just devastating. So in any way that you guys can participate... Uh, we encourage you to participate. Like we said before, just a lemonade stand. If you have kiddos at right. home that you're a trying to teach sale, that entrepreneurship thing, yes, right. exactly. Or you know, an organization that you do that you're a with. part of that could put on an event for us. You know, we, my my um, nephew-in-law, I guess that's what you right. call him. He he works for an organization, and every year they have an event, and it benefits something. So one year they had it be act today, mm-hmm. and they, that made a difference. It it got a fence for huge a family difference. that may may have saved that child. Right, from. right. So participate in whatever way you can, and then make sure that you're watching on Sunday night. And uh, do you know what time the red carpet starts? Red I don't... carpet starts at 5.30. 5.30. So we will be live 5.30 Pacific time uh, here in California. want to take just a couple of minutes to talk about what we have tomorrow. on the show tomorrow. Uh, so we uh, will have the Bonnie Yates, the fabulous Bonnie Yates on tomorrow. But also in the studio for the first time, we have Jeremy Aldrich who's going to be on the show. Jeremy and I have a connection from way back in the past. And I'm not going to tell you what it is. It's a surprise unless you are watching the show tomorrow. But trust me, you'll find it interesting. And Jeremy is a wonderful, talented theater director directing a production right now of The Boys Next Door. Do you know this show? No, I don't. So it's a show in which there are people, it's uh, a group of young men who are living in a group home Mm -hmm. back when they had the group homes. Um, and one of them's on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them uh, has uh, global intellectual disability. They all have some special need, and they're living together in this home, and it's about the things that happen to them, but there is a pivotal moment in the play for each character where we get to see who they would have been had they not have had this unique challenge. Right. And it's always, I love this show. It's one, Michael Jeter won a Tony for it. Okay. It's an amazing show. For the first time ever, anywhere, they're doing it with people who are special needs. Oh, that's terrific. It is terrific. And so I'm very excited for Jeremy. He's going to be here to talk about how they're doing this in conjunction with CRE, an organization that we've had before on the show. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what it's been like Uh as a director uh, I, I just, I can't wait to see the show. I can't wait to hear about it because it's a beautiful show. But how do you direct someone 
who already doesn't have to act, they already have autism, mm -hmm. but then there is a moment when they have to not have the autism. Oh, okay. How do you do that? Right. I can't wait to hear. So that, plus a whole lot more that will be happening during tomorrow's show. Okay. Uh, so, and we'll talk more tomorrow about this wonderful interview that we did uh, with Jay Moore and the Fullerton Cares comedy show that's coming up that I'm going to be a part of. Yeah, I'm that's exciting. on the bill. So anyway, we'll talk about that. Okay. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me. And yourselves a hug from me. Bye-bye for bye now. Bye-bye for now.